I don't know about you, but I'm so sick of getting let down when I go into a place sometimes and I'm trying to have, not for work, right? It's different. For work, you have no expectations. You're just like having drinks or whatever it is. And on a day off though, where I'm like trying to take the lady out and enjoy actually dining, like sitting at a table. I don't even know what that feels like unless it's a date. I want to have like a great experience. What's, what's preventing you from having a great experience? What specifically is letting you down? There's just so many times, and I don't know if it's because of new people entering into this area of working in restaurants or what, but they just don't understand it. I mean, I'm sick of sitting with, like, plates filled in front of me when they're empty. Like, somebody take it away, please. So, my wife, Nicole, she cannot, uh, well, I mean, not she cannot. We go out to eat, but one of her big frustrating points is that I can't turn it, I can't turn it off while, we are, uh, while we're out to eat. So I'm just watching, even if it's, I mean, obviously it's not my own restaurant, but I'm watching it all the time. Why did they do this? Why did they do that? Why did they do this? You're critiquing it. Yeah, unfortunately. I try not to do it, but it just it's it hard to not do it happens naturally. But, and how often are those things that are happening? Plates thing, though. That drives me nuts. Well, that's an easy one, right? That's low-hanging fruit that it I drives her nuts, here. too, because I finish my food, and I immediately push my plate in front of her because I don't want it in front of me. <laughs> but what about, like... You go out somewhere and you order the same drink and it's different two different times. But it's the same drink. Why is it different? Why are these inconsistencies happening? Are you saying two different visits or two different, like, the first drink and the second drink? Either. Same visit or different visit doesn't change. Because if it's the same visit, then there's a problem with the bartender. If it's a different visit, there's a problem with the training. Sure. And, and that's, a, that's a thing that we're going to be talking about today, I think, is training. Yeah, Nooms is Nooms has gone out. He was saying things quite opposite a second ago. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had some pretty good experiences recently based on the fact that people were trained very well. Specifically, one uh, one new restaurant that we went out to, we had a server who was just seemed to be an expert in the menu and everything that was going on that specific night in terms of the drink specials, the food specials, and her being so well versed at her uh, at her job caused us to get a couple of extra rounds of drinks in one of the specials that night. Well, lucky for everybody today. I've brought this book that I've been holding on to for like 20 years. It's a pretty big Listen book. to this. Listen to this. Didn't sound as loud as it actually yeah, no, should I was be, though. For something else. There, there we go. go. That's it. Well, when you that, throw it down. Yeah. That's a multi million dollar <laughs> book right there from a multi million dollar company that does serious training. I mean, can you tell everyone how thick this book is? It's about, about an inch th- thick. Yeah. Yep. It's an inch? Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what an inch looks like anymore. Yeah. But that's what we're getting into today. We're talking about training. Hold on tight. Let's get into this. It's waiting on fries that you don't get it. You don't. What do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries. But all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed and then you're it's like, ready Fuck, to go. I forgot to fire the fries. <laughs> I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in. And I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's going to be two more minutes. Realistically, I come back 10 minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> Successful restaurants run on Toast, one platform to power your restaurant. Take control with tools to manage changing industry trends and guest expectations. Toast is simply built to make your life easier and your restaurant better. Considering switching your POS? Let us put $500 in your pocket. That's right, $500 when you switch to Toast using our link in the show notes. 
Toast works best in bars and nightclubs, as well as food trucks and coffee shops. Toast has no boundaries, which is why we suggest moving over to the Better POS today. Click below in the show notes to let us help you make the switch to Toast today. All right, so to make this like work correctly, I think, because everyone has such different styles of businesses that they've set up, everyone runs their business completely differently. Some places are smaller, some places are bigger. Your staff could be seven people. Your staff could be 47 people. We're going to kind of model, I guess, this episode really based on Smokehouse's training, right, Just? Well, I guess, I mean, I'll run through that. That's obviously my experience and the one we built up, so we'll run through that. Noom's can interject how the kitchen trainings can, can differ in some places. Yeah, I mean, depending on the size of your operation, like Jay said, the amount of people on your staff and the amount of services you run in a day, maybe you're only open for dinner service, maybe you have lunch and dinner service, that's going to affect the way you run your training system. I mean, even our, even our training system here is modified and adapted from similar, uh, similar training programs, <laughs> similar training programs in other locations and other restaurants. So we just, you know, read a book or read an article or change and adapt. I think well, that's you, the biggest part about training though, is that it changes all the time. Yeah. You can't be set in one or two ways because things happen. People change methods of approaching situations change as time goes on. And well, the guests change. With, yeah. with all this too, just like typically somebody that is in a smaller location might not have a full training kind of manual together just because it is a smaller location and they might not feel the need to put these operations down on paper to help guide somebody through coming into their space just because they might feel like it's not worth it because the place is a little bit smaller. When in actuality, I think that it's more important too where it's like, hey, this outlines the expectancies that we have of you, the jobs you're going to handle, and how we want them executed to build a brand. So I think what happens, though, is like training is very difficult to be focused and disciplined enough to go through it all the way. For example, I hate training. I hate it. I don't like to do it. Whenever I have to train somebody, I have to mentally prepare myself all day that I'm going to have a trainer with me for the duration of the time. Or whatever and I, I have to put myself in that place I just don't like it because I know what I'm doing and I, I want to go through my shift and just do what I have to do and not slow down and extensively talk through every single thing that I'm doing which is part of the training um, so when you get into smaller places that doesn't have as big as a staff as the place that you have this inch thick book obviously has a large staff across many locations when you get into smaller places, it's like one or two locations. It's even harder to do because generally the owner or operator is a guy like just running everything. So you just kind of learn as you go. Like I need hands and I'm going to give you a task and every day I'll give you a new task until one day I'll decide that I don't need to train you anymore, but it never really stops. That's, that's like kind of the style. You're right though. I think those places probably could benefit from having everything outlined. They just don't have the time. Looking at, I'm just flipping open the first page here because we know typically in most first day spots, maybe you're filling out paperwork, you're doing some type of orientation pretty much. Uh, opening this thick ass book, the first thing that is here, and this is specifically a bartender book in this corporate place. Uh, the very first words that you see on this thing when you open the book is bartender job description. And there's a little paragraph about what the description of you know the job is. And then right after that, in big, bold letters, the first thing it says is 
engage your guests at every opportunity. And how many times you walk behind a bar and you just see somebody playing on their cell phone in the corner, not paying attention to anybody, but Todd's water is a little bit light or his beer is a little bit light. And that could be a refresh point, right? Or a talking point. And furthermore, you need to have like social bodies. I think a lot of times doing these person to person exchanges of, I guess, uh, interaction is the word I'm looking for. Where like you are hiring staff that's going to come in and kind of build the culture of your environment that you work in. And I don't think your staff's going to build the culture. They're going to continue the culture. But if you go into it thinking that they're going to build it, then you're going to lose your culture in that. Well, they definitely, yeah, you're right, but you have to get them to buy into the culture. Sure. Yeah. That that should be prevalent during the train, during the training or during like a probationary period. Just like, is this person buying in or not? I think I feel the exact opposite way about training than you guys do. Uh, Thinking back specifically to my time in Manhattan, almost at Gramercy as well. When you have somebody coming into the kitchen to train and you're assigned the role of training somebody, I mean, at least in the beginning, you're, you're just left with an extra set of hands. So whatever tasks you have, you're going to complete them that much faster. You're going to have that much more time and ability to put extra care and effort into, you know, like family meal or something like that. So the early part of the training is you have somebody like acting as your gopher. If you need something, they go get it for you. And that's how they familiarize themselves with their new space that they're working in. But then for the latter half of the training, you're assisting them with those techniques. So, I mean... I don't want to say it's like less work, but it's a different workload when you have a trainer working with you in a kitchen environment, you know? So it's something to be excited about. And especially because like we're talking about the culture, you have to get them to buy into the culture. But the best way to do that is to work side by side with them and get them to enjoy doing what they have to do for the rest. So you're saying day one training, somebody's just following you out the gate. They don't do anything else. They just walk in they start following you. Yeah. They're not filling out paperwork. They're not getting some orientation. They're just following you. They're not filling out paperwork. You do that before you get into the kitchen. Your actual kitchen work, once it starts, you've got to learn your space. But yeah, so I, I guess that's, that's like a major difference between the kitchen and, and front house. And it just kind of clicked as Nooms was explaining. There, there's um, not that it's not, there's not that there's no urgency to finish someone's training and get them going and working. But there is somewhat of a level of urgency when you're talking about a front house staff during a back house staff. And the major reason is is the, the, the pay difference, right? Mm-hmm. If you're training a server, they're on training. They're not really making the, they're make, they're not making the money they're going to make while they're while they're training. They're not getting their tips. They're not doing whatever. So there's a little bit of an urgency to say we got to get this person through the training so they can get on the floor and and be an earner and be a contributor. Whereas in the kitchen, you're generally just hired and yep. you have your pay rate and you start you just get into it and you just get into it. So you have like the time to say just do this task for a while so if you're just doing this task for two weeks yeah you don't have the pressure to like i gotta weeks. get this guy earning his money you know or whatever because in the front of house we have that like if we don't get the person on the floor fast enough they're not gonna stick around they're not gonna stick around it's taking too long for them to start earning especially so that, when you're younger too where you're maybe not managing your money as well when right. you go oh i have to do five days of training oh i have to do two weeks of training how do you want me to live like i have things to pay for but i, I think what you said or what we or you jay what you were just starting to talk about was that orientation that paperwork thing there is a major difference especially i find with the front of house that there's two jobs i you know obviously i've been in a different place i've had two jobs where i literally just pulled the no show during training like i've done it we've we've talked about yeah. that being a frustrating thing and i i've done it and two times that i did it one time was at a very prevalent restaurant bar place in the area that's really well known actually very good place but i just went in 
for the first day of training and was middle of lunch and a busy lunch shift and just following this kid around and he just blazed through everything and like boom 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 you got to do this you got to do that when that when that bell rings you got to do this and you got to have this ready and like he went so fast I had no idea what I was doing nor did I know what was gonna happen the next couple days or whatever and I just I was like I don't know I don't know this is not for me yet I'm not switching there whatever so I guess I I bitched out on that one but the other one was well, the it's exact. Not, it's not all your fault. You were poorly trained, and that didn't set you up for success. Yeah, I don't know if I was poorly trained. I was just, that was my first day. So yeah, I but I mean, that's, that's a poor handling of your first yeah, day. Yeah, like I didn't know the uniforms. I had the wrong shirt on, so I've already felt like outcasted because I wasn't in the uniform. Was this so day one, though, in a place where it was your day one in general in this business period? Day one, completely day one. Okay, so first like day. you needed to get caught up to speed. Hey, hey, you're hired. You start Tuesday. This was Tuesday. <laughs> and I walk in Tuesday morning, busy, and they were there over for breakfast, busy breakfast, lunch, and breakfast places like fast. It's got to be quick, you yeah, because so you got other things to do. I just wasn't, I didn't mentally prepare myself to be at that place, so I think uh, I was just like, I'm not ready for that, and and just kind of bailed on it. I didn't just ghost them. I did tell them, like, I'm not going to take the position, yeah. but that was that one. And then the other place was the, was the direct opposite, totally different experience. Where I was, I, at this point, I had much more experience professionally, and they did not. And they had no idea what they were doing. And they built out this, this bar and restaurant. And I remember, the again, first day, no guidance or anything. We walked through the place, and I was like, that kitchen is not big enough for this restaurant. Because it had a 300-seat restaurant, and the kitchen was like 400-square-foot kitchen. I was like, this is not going to happen. It's just not going to work. It's not going to function. And sure enough, five bartenders. I was the only one that had any bartending experience ever. So I made all the drinks. The other four were good-looking girls. It was that kind of place. So it was, and the owner literally told me, I, I said to him at the end of the shift, I was like, where did you get these girls? They don't know, they don't know how to make a drink. They, I, she doesn't know how to make a martini. She doesn't know how to make a margarita. You have this whole cocktail menu. No one's ever seen it before. I'm the only one that, that like saw the recipe and, understood the vocabulary on the on the thing and he was like yeah that's what you're here for they they're here for the <laughs> i hired the, you as the muscle kid yeah. and you're i was the like muscle. oh okay so i make all the drinks they talk to people and, and we all split tips and we're, we're just gonna split it evenly and also you have no idea what you're doing and no one knows what's on the menu even we had no menu training whatever it was like the first but night free open where do you go and but that the, one I just didn't show up. I had a softball game the next shift. <laughs> the next shift I was supposed to be there I had a softball game. I just I played softball, didn't even show up. But I these totally are like them. these are common things that occur all the time throughout ownership. But and the, the point is, like, if you want to get in, I'm sorry to cut you no, off. You're good. I'm sorry. But the point is, that's where I found it's good to have an orientation day where you don't do any training. You have the person come in, you sit them down, do all the paperwork, and then lay out, hey, day one, we're gonna do this. Day two, we're gonna do this. Day three, we're gonna do this. And then you're going to be, you should be finished by day five, make the whole schedule so they know exactly when and where everything is going to happen. So they're walking into a place prepared. Go over the uniform. If you're going to give them shirts, give them a shirt that day so they can go home and get dressed and like feel ready to, ready to come in that day. So this, this book too, right now too, there's a page for every single day. So you know what to expect and that's going to go on during this day. So this is day one right here too. And it says before the floor. Read and sign off on the information, 
do a poor test with the trainer and manager, appearance standards, complete my info, do a tour of the restaurant, food and beverage class for 120 to 150 minutes, food and beer worksheet, sauce tasting, and utilize the quick reference guide to see what the sauces are and, and whatnot, right? So like, there's a, a huge to-do list before you even go onto the floor of like learning and you know acclimating yourself with the place. And then it says, hey, you're going to spend two hours doing food running and then two hours doing bar stuff. So like this is very well outlined because they say, hey, we know that you need to understand the foods behind the bar and you probably don't know them. But we also need you to understand the bar and you probably don't know them either. And it's, you know, it's just one of these things where the careful and look how many bullet points are underneath each one of those to handle throughout that time. Like this is thorough. This is a thorough book. Yeah, that's that's he's, way he's more thorough. That's way more thorough than mine. But I, I'm saying, all right, so this is day one, right? So within that, you know, your day one here at Smokehouse, and I think we're more so looking at this from like a hiring server perspective for the most part, right? Uh, your day one training that you kind of set up, though, is similar where it does have this orientation about the place, showing everyone around just. Oh, sorry, I was trying to pull it up, but yeah, eventually... You're talking about day one or the orientation day? I'm saying, like, well, is your orientation day not day one also? It's not day one. We do a clean... He's saying that he has a separate orientation yeah. from day one, so you're aware of what you're going to get yeah. into on day one. How so long does orientation day take? About two hours. Oh, that's, yeah. like, it's just a a BS. Day. Are you going to show up? Yeah, it's doing all the paperwork, getting you into the system, getting your punch in, showing you how to punch in, giving the uniform out, going over the uniform standards, going over the scheduling standards, then actually making the schedule for the for the training so they know their whole training schedule and what they're going to do each day got it and then and then we do a store tour so they know their way around we show them where to put their stuff so the next shift they come in that they're ready to train they feel like they know where they're going and it's not the deer in the headlights hit the ground running first day thing so they can come in punch in like they know what they're doing put their stuff down and they'll meet the i usually introduce them to everybody that's here that day too so it's not their first day meeting people that's orientation day. And then day one is a whole nother day. With so a whole let, nother let's jump into this this day one that now people kind of know where to put their shit when they come in. They've clocked in. They know how to use, you know, the clock in button at least maybe with Hopefully. a refresher of some help. Who knows? Every POS is different until you've seen all of them. You don't really fully get it maybe. Although, to be fair, the kids of today have grown up with a computer in their hand. I'm sure they can mostly figure everything out. Uh, so then pulling into your day one is actual hands-on experience to some extent, I'm presuming, maybe following somebody else. Just So day, the actual day one follow is we have our trainer take the trainee, and that trainee basically follows, not basically follow, they follow they the trainer the entire shift. So the trainer is supposed to talk through everything, and this is the part that I hate is every, literally every move that you make you have to explain why you're doing it, where it's coming from, what's the reason behind it, why do we go this way instead of that way, why do we walk through here instead of there, like all those kind of examples that you would go through. And then there's a list of tasks that need to be covered. So because even through training, you may not run into every single situation of how to split a check nine ways, you know, whatever. That might not happen. I mean, it probably would happen in five shifts, but... You know, there are things that you might not get to during training, so we have it all listed out. What do they not know, et cetera? And that has to go through with the trainer. So there's about 30 tasks. Some are informative, and then there's another 15 
so there's 30 tasks that you have to do like physically, like in real life tasks. And then there's about 15 or 20, um, toast or POS related tasks. How do you do something here? How do you put this in? How do you do core science? How do you do seat numbers? All that stuff. So with that POS too, where it's like, Hey, how do you put this in? You have a sheet that essentially has a couple different various fake orders on it. Correct. In which then they have to go put it in the same way as the order was put into that sheet of paper. Right. Pretty much. And we try to find some weird orders too. Yeah. So they understand some modifications that come in and those definitely don't come in every day. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, maybe a drink option that says, you know, sub this out instead of this, uh, say it's an old fashioned or whatever, you might have a different bourbon that you want to go in there or ride depending on, you know, what the person wants. Correct. And then you show them how to do that. Then now it's like, oh, cool. You know how to use the computer a little bit more today on day one. And then those things also differ between server and bartender trainings too. So a server might get a little bit on the call cocktail recipes, right? You order an old fashioned. Everybody has a general idea of how it's made, but we have a book that has, this is how we make it at Smokehouse. That gets into what you what we were open with of when you have two different bartenders making two di- different recipes. But we could talk about that later. So those, you know, those differ. And then there, then we have the core training thing that's instilled in every single day of training and every part we go back to it is in our steps of service, how we treat first time guests, which is basically an elevator pitch to the restaurant. So we can, everybody should be able to clearly describe what the restaurant is to their guests as soon as they come in, like, where am I? That kind of thing. And we just keep repeating that at every training shift, whether it's a follow shift, whether it's a kitchen shift, whether it's a takeout shift, whatever it is, we go through it again. So there's the core restaurant elevator pitch and then our signature thing for wings or thing, our signature talk through through wings. That's our major thing for us. So we go through our wings and how they're made and all the sauces and the, and the process and everything so that that's fully communicated. Those two things happen every single shift. As I'm flipping through this day one pack now too, and I'm just incorporating this maybe into just training in general here. A lot of this is kind of like fill in the blank or circle the right ingredient. So it's like, hey, this is the food worksheet and it gives you the snacks and it gives you the five most popular snack items maybe it has. Here's the, ta- the popular tacos that it has. And it gives you a list going across in different columns saying different food items. And it's like circle the ones that are actually in this food specifically. So then people are hands-on starting to visually also see, oh, this is shrimp ceviche and it has spicy tomato ketchup. Yep, circle that. It has mango papaya salsa, circle that, and it's got avocado in there, circle that. So they're giving you a test on, like, day one? It's a, well, it's a soft test saying, hey, start getting your memory going correctly, and let's work on it together. But this isn't really a test. This is like you're sitting with the trainer still, and they're guiding you through it. I'm just I'm watching this as you're going through the pages, and it's driving me nuts because I definitely don't, I don't want to train that much, but I also do want to train that much. Yeah. I, I'm looking at that book saying we need to get our training that <laughs> thorough. So that motherfuckers are coming out of training like they've been here for 10 years. So it would be like, for example, but I don't want to do it. You know, what's yeah. one, I what's one of your food items? What's how one many, of, how, how big of a menu is that? This menu? Yeah. It's a pretty sizable menu. It was like a well, five page menu. All right. Oh, so maybe it's like 70 plates. Something yeah. Maybe, like that. Maybe that's not far fetched. Maybe a little bit less than that. That's a big menu. Yeah. So that, all right. So then menu. that. So your book might be a half yeah, to a quarter. So that, of that makes. Size. I mean, our our we run at twenty seven items. Yeah. So that's a little bit. 
So I understand. You're going to have a lot of more sauce variations and stuff like that. Yeah, and they had more drafts, more beers to learn. What about in the kitchen? Do you have, like, kind of a book like this to learn recipes? We have a recipe book, but, I mean, it's not not so much of a training manual as it's just a recipe book. It's a reference. Yeah, it's a reference for, you know, the cooks as they are going through their day. All the stuff you guys are talking about having to do on day one, that all would have been just verbalized while we're working on some small, simple task. So, like, you're standing there with a new cook. Obviously, you give them some easy task to work on, like, I don't know cleaning peppers or peeling citrus, some, something like that, juicing fruits. But then you just talk through all this day one intro orientation type stuff that you guys are saying you'd go over with your servers, you know? So I guess I get the big difference, too, is in the kitchen, you can always reference a recipe book because yeah. if you got to make... If you have to make something, there's a book there make that something, tells you how to do book it. To make it. Yeah. The servers can't really do that. They have to just know it, like, automatic. Yeah, and I mean, so, they're I mean, not making it, but they need to be able to communicate it without the, having to reference it. A prep cook will always have the opportunity to reference a book, but any of the line cooks, I mean, they're also not executing recipes for service. They're right. firing dishes to order, and that's something to learn, but that's something you can learn in, I don't know, a shift or two, maybe a couple hours, depending on the experience level of the cook. Well, my last Monday morning bartender, when I asked for a Negroni uh, with Mezcal, I actually had to go look it up on the phone and then came back and served it to me in a Collins glass. And <laughs> I'm not I, mad at someone looking it up as long as they then proceed to do it properly. Yeah, all I'm saying is, like, yeah, still behind the bar, people are looking up recipes to some yeah. extent based upon if I they know it or not. I look up recipes all the time. I'm, That's what I'm I mean. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that as long as then you do it right. If you, like you said, served it in a Collins glass, so if you did it wrong at the end of it. Especially when you get motherfuckers that just try to stump the bartenders all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they find some obscure cocktail they don't even want. Yeah, you got to be ready I, for that. Can I get the Bob Marley brain hemorrhage? <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> slow down. Uh, let me figure out which layers do I'm gonna ingredients. Have to look that up. Oh, need to go. You know what's actually the, I mean, we're getting a little bit sidetracked, but what's actually the worst in that effect is there's so many, so the art industry obviously has changed. Talked about that at lengths for the last couple of years. But now that the, bars are making more craft cocktails you know years ago everybody had basically the same cocktail list and you kind of made you had your little tweaks right everybody had a mule everybody had an old-fashioned everybody had a margarita yeah but it was like you know joe's margarita joe's mule joe's whatever so you knew what kind of cocktail you were getting when you ordered it but today we have so many variations. Literally so many just random shit sometimes. From, yeah, from the way bartending has kind of grown, right? Where a craft cocktail or a mixologist was few and far between 10 years ago. And now most restaurants on the top half scale are running a pretty good bar program. And they all have their names for these cocktails and little tweaks for these cocktails and little things they did different. And you get guests that are, maybe don't realize that that's a how, like, this guy made that cocktail. Yeah. It's his recipe. He came <laughs> up with it. He made the syrup. He did this, whatever. And then they go to other places, and he's like, let me get the whatever. And you're like, what? That's a what real thing. That? I never even thought about it you like know? that, but that's totally a real thing. Because they guess, you're like, oh, that must be what that cocktail is called. It yeah. was really good. And then you go to another restaurant, and, it's just, and, you're, and you order it by the name that they named it. And Can I, don't I get know. Todd's famous <laughs> daiquiri? Uh, yeah, but what if it's just called like the house daiquiri, but it's made with all sorts of yeah. like special oh, yeah, infusions no, or some shit? And we, and we see that all the time, too. You see bars set up, and they put a regular cocktail under a different name to be cute. And yes, correct. It's like, do you need to be doing that? I don't necessarily think so. Right. But also keep in mind that. But we're even in if an it's a proprietary recipe, though, 
right? Well, you don't have, I have no idea. You know, I, I mean, was at the, a Negroni's best, a Negroni. I was, this, I was at this bar in San Diego. They made this drink, but bananas, can you make that? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have bananas here, sir. But not, sure. Just put some bananas in a glass with ice. None, nonetheless, though, that we're in an information paid, uh, we're in an information age where it's super accessible to learn. And that is kind of pushing culture forward, too, though, because everyone's seeing easily what's happening in San Diego or easily seeing what's happening in Los Angeles. And you follow some of these barmen that are really putting things together beautifully because you want to see what's coming out next. You want to see the trends. And Instagram makes it super easy to do these things. So, uh, you know, not to stray off, coming back into finding consistencies in general and training your staff correctly even in behind the bar, the basics need to always be taught and learned by the person that's coming in. And I think that we live in a place, especially where we are here with New York City, where we're fortunate enough to have high expectancies of how people work and execute their days and their prior experiences. I mean, Noom, somebody comes into the kitchen, you expect them to know how to do something extremely basic. Like, hey, cook the pasta. Yeah, no problem, chef. Got it. Not... Hey, how much water do you think I should put into this? I wouldn't go into it saying that we have expectations, but I mean, I would give someone the opportunity to show us what they're able to do. And you would do that with a, a trail shift. So before you even get hired, before you get to your interviewing and your days of training, you do a trail. And so you tell the kitchen that you're going into, like, this is the experience I've had. This is what I'm capable of. And they let you go for a minute to see what you can do. And maybe you can handle yourself and run service. Maybe you can't, maybe you need assistance. But after that, then I would know what level they're at and know or have a better idea of where I'm going to place them in the kitchen. Maybe you start with the prep team for a month or so. Maybe you're ready to go for a lunch service. Maybe you're not quite ready for dinner service without assistance, but we'll get you there quicker. Uh, yeah, the trail before they're hired or after they're hired? Before. Right. I was going to say. They suck. You can just be like, no. Yeah. Uh, we're mean, not going to hire you. You start a grease fire and almost burnt the building down? <laughs> yeah. 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 You, so you poured water on the grease? <laughs> the, trail, <laughs> the trail would be step one. Okay. And hopefully Fair. you avoid those things. All right. So, like, day one, we all agree. We're kind of just setting up some expectations. Just observing. Uh, pretty much. Not as much hands-on. Following maybe. Just seeing. Get a feel for the restaurant. Get a feel for the culture. Meet your seven other coworkers or whatnot. Learn where we keep the flour, sugar, and salt. That's yeah, totally. And then day two comes in. Now you've got some expectations happening, though, because from day one, now you know where things are to some extent. Mm -hmm. You're going to ask questions, which is fine, and I think that's normal. But day two now, what happens with you, Just? So day two, we're going to start by reviewing what we did in day one, making sure that the information stuck with whatever we tried to, you know, whatever information whatever we tried, tried to Whatever you tried to stick. Them. Yeah, whatever we tried to stick, picking up what we're putting down kind yeah. of thing. So we do a quick review. Okay, you know, do you have any, you know, do you have any questions about the first day? Because we find a lot of times at the end of the shift, we'll say, how are you doing? you have any questions? And they'll say, no, I'm good. I, I got it. And then they go home and like, kind of think things over and realize actually i have 48 questions <laughs> about what i just saw yeah because it's a lot your first day it is a lot in your first it's day a little overwhelming. And, and especially if it's if it is like i mentioned there was you're if you're in a busy restaurant on your first day things kind of fly around a little fast yeah. before you catch up to the speed um so that i mean we think that's important to get back to the trainer and uh, the trainee and not just move right along we'll say hey, listen do you have any questions what did you see what did, anything you weren't expecting you know that that came up you know or concerns or anything like that just so we know where we're at um so that happens before we get into it 
the, the reason too with the concerns is we've mentioned a lot of people just don't show up during tra during training they'll train the first day and then not come the second day or train the second day and then not come the third day we feel like if we can do a post training on the first shift and a pre-training on the second shift if there are any issues that are causing um you know hesitation in the trainee or causing something where we, we might be losing somebody we can kind of catch it beforehand yeah mitigate risk exactly we don't want to keep spending money on somebody if they're just gonna stop showing up at some point bounce everybody comes back for that check let me how tell many you. times actually it's a pretty good question how many times have you been midway through the training process too where you maybe have to sit down with somebody and say you know what i don't think this is gonna work out Oh, oh, like that? Yeah. I'd say 10% of the time they just don't come. Okay. They, they do it for you. Stop yeah. during training. So 90% of trainers just keep the job. I'd say 10% just bail during it, and and then you only see them when they come back to pick up their checks uh, or, or their W-2. Another interesting piece, too, for that— the, For the eight hours they worked. That just came to mind is that—you said it recently, too, where— Previously, when Smokehouse was one single location pretty much, and people worked there their whole life. It was like you'd have zero turnover rate. But now where you've got, I don't know, what is it, 80 employees, 60 employees at this point? No, like 40. It feels like yeah. 60, but whatever. <laughs> you, you look in the back and you just see them all moving around. It's like, you know, a Willy Wonka factory created here with a, a huge I mean, mass of bodies. we're 40 combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. both locations. No, so I got you. We're still small. But nonetheless, though, what you said was now having this much larger staff, you're seeing a higher turnover rate kind of happen, too, where it's like, you know, at some point in growth, do you start to lose this family bond where it's like, oh, nobody leaves. Yeah. Oh, a now little, you just can't leave. A little bit. I mean, that's the transition from where what we started as and what we are now when you're growing into a concept that's trying to open a couple locations and full service restaurant versus when we opened a small like takeout shack. Back in the day, it was obviously a whole nother level of operation. We didn't meet, yeah, like you said, we didn't have 40 people. So, yeah, that's also evolved training, right? When you're in a place where you hire one new person a year or every other year, your training's not going to be as in-depth as when you're training someone every week. Every week, right now, right now, every week we have a new person training one, one place or the other, at least one person. So, you know, that's why this has to get a little bit evolved. Sure. Uh, you know, another side on the bar, too, to come back in, you know, round one or day one is, yes, you get acclimated. You can see what they could do, of course, right, Nooms? Um, you're showing them how to maybe do standard pours. You know, you're making them kind of just make a couple basic drinks, nothing too crazy. You've got patience. You've got time. Day two, depending on the level of, I guess, time period of business, how busy it is, you're probably going to stick that person into the well just to do service tickets because they don't have to have customer interaction at that point or guest interaction. Um, and as long as they're not getting pummeled by a lot of crazy tickets, they can pretty much handle the two drinks coming in at a time until they hit, you know, peak business in which you got to go over and help out a little bit. And you expect it. Yeah. So day two in the kitchen, I mean, similar to that, I would say I would probably give somebody a short list of tasks to complete, a few recipes to do on their own without assistance. If they can handle that, then they get more. If they can't, then you step in and help them out. Nooms is like, today I want you to make me an asobuco. <laughs> maybe maybe not that intense, but something Yeah, I don't simple. think that's a few tasks. Yeah, that's, no, that's an all day. That's well, so here's the thing. So maybe if, if an asobuco was on the menu, because I remember working at USC when I was a prep cook, um, it would be my responsibility to mise out all the stuff that goes into the braise for the asobuco. That would be the prep cook's task. So it's a whole bunch of cutting onions, carrots, celery, measuring out wines, that sort of thing. 
that would be something I would give them to do. I wouldn't tell them to go ahead and cook it, but they could weigh out the recipe. Yeah, back to the time that we talked to Nick DeBono where he was like, yeah, I told the new guy to go make vanilla ice cream, <laughs> and, like, I didn't have a no, thorough it was, it was, uh, training manual. It was chocolate manual. chip cookies, and the guy poured, like, uh, yeah, a cup was, of vanilla extract. In it. Yeah, yeah, it was the cookies. vanilla bean because they yeah, used yeah. real vanilla beans. He was like, I shot myself in the foot by giving this guy, like, the job to do this, <laughs> the most expensive ice cream I could possibly be making. Hysterical. So, I, I mean – just going through into the day two where now they're a little bit more hands-on. The rest of slightly. day two is very similar to day one. It's just essentially still looking at what's happening. Still following, in. yeah. Hopefully asking some questions. Hey, this happened the other day. What do, you, what do we do if this happened? But you're still following. We're not, we're not yet interacting with the guests. Um, we have to make sure that that trainee is versed enough to start interacting with the guests because – at the end of the day, I mean, we explain. So the trainer will say, hey, this is so-and-so. They're training with me today, just so you know. So if I, you know, if I have to explain something or here or there. But at the end of the day, we don't want the guest experience to change, right? So we can't, we can't fail the guest experience just to train this new Correct. person. Correct. So before they're allowed, they're, I don't want to say allowed, but before we start putting the communication to the guest on them, there's, we want to make sure they know enough to converse with them do and and i'm looking here at this book too i've got like pages of quizzes that would happen at the end of the shifts to be like hey do you did you learn these things that are in here that you were supposed to specifically go over that's today? a good idea i'm gonna start doing that so uh, <laughs> they're gonna hate daily quizzes gonna yeah that's gonna be miserable I mean, here, here it's like match it the, for the whole staff, not even the trainers. Well, it's match the following stakes with the correct amount of ounces. So like there's three different stakes on here, but people say all the time. Oh, how big is the steak? Yep. Oh, it's 10 ounces. Oh, it's eight ounces. You know, whatever <laughs> it is, because that's a common question. Another thing, too, is like that this company did specifically well in their training manuals are they knew repeatedly what the most highly probable um, allergies would be. Yeah. No questions as well. Yeah. But also the allergies would be. So in the training manuals, this has nuts. This has this. This has this, and well, then I mean, the, the common allergies are pretty commonly known. Yeah, you would think that this would be like known throughout training manuals and whatnot. But how many people don't do that or think about it, we, and then they guess, always go back to the kitchen? We had a guest the other day. A sidetrack. Speaking of allergies, came in ordered the jerk brisket tacos. Did I tell you about this? No. So she ordered the jerk brisket tacos, and then said, "Oh, just so you know, I'm allergic to black pepper." And I was like, yeah, no, we, we can't do that. We can't serve you this, ma'am. <laughs> she was like, there's black pepper in that? I was like, all over it. Like, all over this dish. <laughs> She's like, can we do it without the black pepper? I was like, nope. No, ma'am. Nope, can't do it. At what point just in the days does your training reverse then? And now the trainee becomes hands-on and the lead. The best part is she said, I'll take a Benadryl. It's okay. I really want it. I was like, dedication. Huh? <laughs> Great. Great stuff. Sorry, go ahead. No, what, at what point in the training days does it reverse, right? Now you get the trainer kind of following the trainee. Okay, so the third day, we switch gears. All right, now have, the fun happens. Now the fun, that's my day. So, you know, fun for everybody else. But No, I'm just kidding. I have fun with it too. It's funny, guys. <laughs> anyway, day three. We switch it up and we have the trainer um, follow me at the expo station and the takeout station and watch everything come out of the kitchen through the window. So plate by plate, 
we plate everything together and as each plate comes out i talk it over you know so this, you give a more thorough depth on that day versus yeah. what they've been seeing come out right. of the so windows the, and carrying exactly. to a table so they should have an idea because they saw the plates come out they've been watching what people are ordering yeah. and plates come out so you're fortifying now, now i'm gonna sit there and wings come out i'm like okay these are our tailgate wings there you can see right here this is the dry rub it goes in the smoker for a couple hours and we finish on the grill with a little agave a little agave glaze that's that shine you get on it you see the wind you see this you see it i put it right in their face you see <laughs> yeah. this is the shine that's that okay we got to do that and then these are the sauces i talk through what the sauce is they can see it as i'm doing it because we think I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, that the visual learning is better. Like if I'm telling you this is the sauce, it's better to see it and plate it and see how Agreed. it goes. And then we go over, you know, how things are plated and why it's plated a certain way and why we need to have seat numbers because servers, for whatever reason, think seat numbers is this like phantom thing that we just make up for fun that we don't actually have to put on. They don't understand the importance of, you know, you're like literally fucking my whole service up when you don't put <laughs> seat numbers on it. Correct. Like you're yeah. fucking everything up. I can't speak to the kitchen i can't speak to you i don't know where it's going i don't, i don't, can't tell the runner where it's going and you're gonna come back and tell me hey that nashville chicken sandwich on table 42 and there's four nashville chickens i'm I like know which one which one which one oh the one that that guy i'm like i don't know it's like that's why we have a seat number yeah. so i don't know what the guy looks like i'm back here in the kitchen plating everything Sorry. right now making went, sure it gets I out went on a tangent no it's, it's not far-fetched though because these are important things that like could be in the training manuals right. as well so we do that i walk with each person i go to every table and i go this is seat one this is seat two this is seat three this is seat four and then i switch where we're standing i said where's seat one and then they they reverse it i'm like no that's still fucking seat one i don't care <laughs> where you're standing that's seat one correct right <laughs> like you have to do I'm not that. I don't curse at them and stuff. I'm I'm being dramatic so, now. Yeah. Sometimes for, you gotta throw a plate, you know, though, for you know? creative purposes, you know, yeah. to get my red lines going a little bit on this <laughs> podcast. But anyway, that's what we go through, and then we go through the plate, and we say, you know, this is what the plate looks like. The the stamp is over here for a reason. When we put the entree, it's this spot. Then we put the side here, and we put the sauces here, and they're all in their exact spot for a reason. And like, what do you mean the ketchup's in the spot for a reason? I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's for a reason, and we plate it. A certain way it, you know what's funny is it blows everybody's mind every time i tell them this so on our plates it's a rectangle plate we got our stamp right to show barbecue them. joint people think barbecue okay yeah it's a rect steel plate yep. right brown butcher paper or peach butcher paper with a stamp of our logo on it we put the stamp so that the server will know which way to put the plate like legible to the guest right right and then we plate like if it's a sandwich it's on the left side fries are on the right side and then the sauces go next to the logo, right? Catch, catch up in front of the fries and then whatever sauce for whatever sandwich in front of the sandwich. And we teach them, it has to go down to the guest with the logo facing them so that the sauce is closest to the guest. And I, it has to be that way. Don't put it backwards. It'll ruin the whole night. Like, oh, it's going to ruin the whole night? Yes, it's going to ruin the whole night. One subconsciously is looking at upside down plate because our logo is the wrong way. So now in their head, they think we did it wrong because it doesn't look right. Two, if they take a picture and put it on Instagram, our logo is <laughs> upside down and I'm going to be pissed off. Right? So that's number two. Three, we put the ketchup a certain way because you're going to take the fry, dip the ketchup, and go to your mouth. Yeah, but you're assuming everybody's a righty, which is fucked up. It is a little bit. I'm a lefty. Either way, it doesn't matter. Okay, yes, we're plating it for a <laughs> right. Yeah, you are. But you're still going to go towards you. So even at lefty. I would spin the plate, though. But then your sauce is on the other side. Regardless. Regardless. 
No, it's not on the side. It's in the front. Yeah, I know. So then I would pick up the sauce and put it in the front. Oh, okay, the fine. Side. But the yeah. point is that the sauce is in the front of the plate. Right. So you're not going across your plate with the sauce. Yeah, yeah. And then every time I tell, like, I sell here, here's some mashed potatoes. Here's barbecue sauce. Right? I'm going to put the barbecue sauce behind the mashed potatoes. Sit down and eat it. And then they do it and they drop in their mashed potatoes. Yep. And I was like, that's why it's on the other side. Okay, put the plate down the <laughs> right you. way. Point, like, point no, I never thought of, I never thought that through. But, but like a, you know, anyway, that's the, like, so we go through that plating heavy. So, I mean, the point is, though, that everything is has been thought out. And depending on if, you know, if you're a smaller restaurant, maybe you haven't thought about all these things already. Maybe you haven't thought about, like, the in-depth policies that you need to kind of put out there ahead of time. Just so, to Sidebar, the barbecue sauce and the mashed potatoes taste pretty good, so it's not totally ruined. But yeah. To get the expectations <laughs> out there, you know, to the people that are coming in, pretty much. And I think that you retain staff a little bit better you know for the new people if they know what they're walking into ahead of time like yo this gigantic book here that's uh you know inch thick of five-day training manual and info like i knew what i was getting into walking into this place i was like man this shit is a well-oiled gear that could scare someone away right like i was just thinking that i would not take that job i think it's good i I think it's good that it would scare somebody away. i I mean like i don't want you if you're scared this no i agree i mean if that's if that's there they decide we want this kind of service right yeah so you give them a book right up front if you're intimidated and you just right away just like all right i'm I'm not coming fine i didn't waste any money yeah you know like training you and now you're surprised that you need to do all this stuff yeah correct so so I mean, expectancies like. I'll front. be honest though, that's a fuck. That's a fuck that manual for me too. Yeah, that's, I, I'm not I saying learned. I'm scared of books, but I mean like if, if you can't verbalize this information to me over the course of a week or so, I really. It's not for me. Oh, sorry, Noom. Noom's better than this fucking book. It's cool. I got a lot of great information out of this. I would have this to was my first it. bar job ever. Okay, this was fantastic. There was a lot of basic, basic info. That people go, oh, I'm going to bar school to go learn some things. You know what? To be honest, if I was early on, I might. Like, this is like. I, might, I don't know. Yeah, if this I'm early on. Like, but 15 at, at years this, ago, at guys. This point, at this point, <laughs> I mean, first of all, if I'm looking for a server <laughs> position at this point. <laughs> you might need that book. <laughs> I've, I've, I've gone backwards. In my, in the, first of all, that's number one. But I think in, it, I don't know. I don't know. So right with now, the, with the like, breakdown of this, though, right? Day one, day two, day three, day four. Day one is essentially the orientation. Maybe you get to see a couple things. It's a light day. Day two is you're following somebody else while they're explaining a lot of what they're doing and why they're doing it to you uh, or in front of you. Uh, day three, you I think may... this is probably where the path split because for Justin, day three is his uh, kitchen training. For me, day three would be the first time that I'd give them a shot to like do something on their own. So you'd start at um, maybe like a lunch shift or something like that, less busy, less pressure than a dinner shift. But this would be your first chance to get in there and show yourself. Yeah, okay, and uh, agree. Like three, though, is kind of more hands-on in some ways. You probably just expect more on the kitchen side where it's like you should be able to cook some of these things. And I would be hope able you can do up. some of this stuff. By yeah. Do you taste the whole menu? Uh, or would you, would you taste the whole menu? In some places, depends on the operation. So I remember when I trailed a dovetail at the end of my trail, I tasted the whole menu. But in training, probably not. You taste the dishes off your station when you're training a station. But other than like a trail night, I don't think there's a chance to sit there and taste the whole Cause menu. Because that's what we're doing on day three also. Yeah. Is once we're done with service, we sit down with a like platter 
and we taste everything. Well, yeah. you actually have a platter set up, so it's a little bit easier for you to taste everything than do the involvement of creating 20 dishes or something yeah. that I mean, yeah. obviously the guy's going to taste everything that he's working on. Yeah. That night. You yeah. know, like this is the pulled pork. Menu? Probably not. This is pulled chicken. This is what the jerk taco tastes like or, you know, whatnot in your specific world. Just. And I think even at this place, too, if I remember correctly, uh, every single day was you order from a different piece of the menu. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say we we met we yeah. at the end of every shift. We also send the train trainee home. Yeah, with something else. They're not. They can't get the same thing every time. Yeah, so they get to see a little bit of what things look like, what they like, because then the things that they order that they've now tasted, they're going to suggest to those coming in and having their dining experience. Oh, let me tell you about this. You know, this whatever it is. Yeah, I loved it. It was fantastic. I had it the other day. I know I just started working here, but I'm not bullshitting you. I'm telling you, I just did this. Uh, and then next thing you know, you're into kind of like day five then, Justin. This is your last. You're kind of reversed. You're on the floor. You should be done. Is there a test that finalizes things? So, yeah. So at the end of the day, at the end of the third day, that expo day, there is like a little bit of a verbal test. I ask a lot of the stuff to get repeated back to me. Um, and as we're putting down plates, I say, what is this? Tell me about it. You know, like that. So it's, there is a verbal test after that. And then we flip it. You're saying it's day four. Now is a chance that we flip it and let them start taking the reins as server. I mean, we're talking about a server here. So uh, we start letting them take the reins as a server. And we have the trainer now following the trainee just as a safety net. Because they're still going to get a question. It's look around. Wait, can I do that? Can we do this? Et cetera, et cetera. So now is the time. Now that we know that they understand the menu because they've had the menu training. They understand the bar because they've been doing that for a couple of days. Now we let them communicate with the guests and start taking over. And we can watch their um, mannerisms and their workflow and, and their efficiency now that they're, now that they're leading, leading the shift. This, like, this book, too, has the drink garnish reference guide, and then it's a breakdown of what the bartender will garnish versus what you will garnish. How often do they change cocktails? Uh, I think that menu changes once a year, so it's like... There's two menus per year. So it's pretty thorough. You only need one book. Yeah, you only need one book. Yeah. Yeah. If you're changing cocktails four, five, six times a year, you know? Yeah. And and think about that, too. That's a great thought, right? Here in New York, especially in the city, you get four cocktail menus a year. They're seasonally At least five. What? We run five. What? We run five. Over at Shiver U. You also probably get a couple of... uh, um, we do a holiday. Like holiday ones. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. I was almost thinking that you were talking about fall summer. <laughs> well, we start a summer menu when winter leaves and it goes up to 60 degrees oh. and then we kill it again for a little bit and then bring it back. Um, no, but you know, the extent of your training manual though, too, is really what sets up your expectations at the end of the day and is what's going to guide ultimate success. I think in a lot of bars and restaurants of, being able to grow and get to number two. Like, nobody wants to just be stuck at number one forever in certain aspects, well, I would that's think. that's not necessarily on completely yeah. true. Some people are just yeah, complacent. Some businesses are really, just run really well as one restaurant. Okay. A lot of businesses are. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being the oddball in the group that wants to have multiple different establishments. Just well, depends on what one, your goals if are. If one restaurant is, is just crushing it and your quality of life hasn't changed and you're doing well, why, why put the risk into another if that's not your goals, it's you're going to do great in Florida, champ. <laughs> relaxation, put the put the socks up uh, on the beach, 
Like listen, Mike, Mike and I have have a goal. We want to run a multi-unit restaurant group. That's our goal. Some some restaurateurs, that's not their goal. Their goal is just one run their restaurant as best as it can be, and you know have it set the way they have it set. And that doesn't, you know, you can't judge success that way. Fine. Sorry, I'm apologizing. I'm publicly apologizing for this outburst. I, I bet there's a good single bunch of good single restaurant operations that outperform multi-unit operations like at the end of the year yeah that could be that could be like profitable yeah you mean yeah yeah i can see that why not uh do you have any questions about training do you have any other questions about if we do i'm sure you can answer them with that book yeah no you're correct how do you know that they're how do we know that they're done well you give them a test at the end give them a big test our test would be just go have it have a service without my help yeah, you do. You know, so if you like the last that. the last day for as a trainer, the last day is probably my easiest day because I'm just letting this person run the station. So is there? I mean, we have to have a review at the end of training, right? Yeah. So for for us, you fail the test. We have two options. If you completely fail the test, not even close, right? We might have to review. Like, I don't think this is going to work out, and you can kind of tell that throughout the whole thing you know of mm-hmm. what's going on and or if you fail it a little bit and you say all right we need to work on a b and c let's do another shift let's do another training sit down and then we retake the test those options mm-hmm. how often do you get uh in the kitchen someone that gets that far into training and you're just you get to that shift and you're like you know what this is a train wreck so i can think of a handful of times not when i was the trainer but situations that I've witnessed where someone was trained on a station that they eventually couldn't handle. So then the situation either is you put them at a lower station. So if you're training on like fish roast or something like that, you go to salad station, you're training on salad station, then that didn't work out for you. You get put back down to the prep team and you work prep for a while until you get another shot at a station. What if you get down to prep team and that doesn't work out? Maybe we reevaluate your position in this <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> you, go, uh, you go to floor mopping team after so you that. Yeah, maybe of, maybe you, you can go to four shots though. Yeah, yeah. You I mean, to, again, depending on the size right. and scope of the operation, but you should have a few opportunities before it's time to say maybe this isn't right for you. And I've seen that happen. And I've also seen people get trained on a station, not work out, go back to prep, and then eventually work their way back up to a station. How long? How many? How long you let a bartender die before you cut ties? Oh, you already know when they're not going to make it. You just know. It's like so, like, it. not even one full shift, if you can tell it's not working, that's it? Yeah, or do you I give think, them the benefit of the I doubt? think you're right. I can tell about 30 minutes in. It's just tough because keep in mind the two different ways that businesses are ran out here, too, where it's like one is a corporate chain, and then you can't just, you know, kind of get rid of somebody. And other ones, these smaller-owned establishments where somebody's just like, hey, it's not working out. Yeah. Cool. Well, go do you think, another... though, I think part of the reason why that, I mean, the book that we're referencing the whole time is a cor- corporate king, quote-unquote, restaurant, right? I think part of, part of the reason why they have such an in-depth training manual and all those little quizzes here and there. Is to make is, sure their bases are covered when yeah, it's time to get rid of somebody. It's basically a paper trail yeah. of saying, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to rescind our offer of the job. I don't think you're right for it. And then let's say they come back and say, I was wrongly like, oh, they can turn around and be like, you failed every fucking test we gave you. Correct. Like, you know? Correct. And not only that, but also like all the expectations were in this book already that you signed off on and you said you understood them and you didn't do that. So, I mean, right, right there, that book also is providing safety, 
safety yeah. for the corporate king to say like, no, Correct. no, 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 this is, you did not complete what you said and what we agreed you were going to complete. Therefore, you don't have the job. It was like the time that I poured wine into hot boiling oil and uh, it started splattering all over the place at the fondue restaurant. And they were like, why the fuck would you do that? And I was like, well, it didn't say not to do it in the training manual. <laughs> you did not answer that way. <laughs> I <Yeah>. swear it. <laughs> but the thing is, I didn't know at the time, being a super young kid, like, yo, if you pour liquid into hot oil, it's going to kind of do some exploding. Um, <laughs> yes, didn't it go will. so well. All over the owner's wife, You know what's funny? Way. When I was a kid and a teenager, I thought that McDonald's fried their french fries in water. See? I told like, it's not mom, crazy. I told my mom, I was like, what's the... How hot is that water? She's like, no, no, it's not water. It's no, not water. yeah, you don't want to put your finger in there. I mean, I was 12, dude. No, that's not. All right, guys, did we cover training enough, you think? Some, some ideas here, some gems that at least pull through? Training is never covered enough. Yeah, I was trying to figure out a way to say that a he said clever, it. Lily. No, you want to be more clever. <laughs> Got to keep training over and over Training and over. never ends. Training never ends. All right, team, two weeks? Two weeks. Don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button because, you know, algorithms there it is boom ever realize how much large groups can impact your nightly sales ever realize how quickly they could get bored of each other atmosphere tv keeps your patrons engaged with an insane amount of channels focused on a large range of content from fail videos to trivia atmosphere tv is literally free seriously as long as you keep it on for a set amount of hours per week you won't be charged a dime you can actually help the Waiting on Fry show out, though, by inquiring directly through us on how to activate Atmosphere TV today. Simply shoot us an email at info at Keep your guests retained with Atmosphere TV. Enjoy the show. Click the subscribe button in your podcast platform to keep up with the new releases, exclusive interviews, and bonus content that's sure to drop a few gems on running restaurants and improving sales.